Hi everyone, welcome to the Heads or Tails podcast hosted by myself, Matt McClory. Hey everybody, it's Chris Awesome here. I'm the associate pastor here at Colonial Church and I have the privilege to interview Pastor Matt today for the season finale of Heads or Tails. So listen in, let's lean in as he answers questions about leadership, marriage, building the church, and so much more. And we pray that it blesses you today. How we doing? Good. <laughs> Real good. It's good to be here. Um, I love just having this time to be able to interview you. I think there's going to be a lot of fun during this time, but also just some insight, I think, for people. And it's going to be really helpful, I think, practical, and then also spiritual from a leadership perspective. So I'm really excited about this, but we're going to start with fun. Okay, yeah. let's do it. So I'm fired up. Uh, we're going to do a thing called the last five. So the last five questions. Oh, okay. That's um, why it's called last five. I was wondering why it was last five. <laughs> yeah. So the first one here is what was the last song that you listened to? Oh, man. <laughs> this is really going to expose who I am. Yeah, it's going to show if you're holy or not. This is going to really show the world just how much of a redneck I've become. <laughs> Um, the last song I remember listening to in my truck on the radio was Buy Dirt. That's a good one. You could buy dirt. Yeah, I think I specifically remember listening to that song. Uh, the last time I was listening to it was with you, actually. I know. I yeah. just love it. It's like, I, I'm just telling you, like, my wife, Jill has changed me. I used to be, I used to be my own man, and now I'm just like a... Now I'm just a full-on redneck, and it's awesome, yeah. and I love it. But I love country music, um, so that was the last song I listened to was By Dirt. That's fantastic. What about the last book you read? Um, yeah, the last book I read, um, so the last book I completed was um, Eugene Peterson's book, Pasta, which I read um, probably a couple months ago, two or three months ago I finished it, but I've since started a new book, uh, which is Nathan Finocchio's book, Killer Church. And I just started reading that. Actually, I'm almost finished, so I could almost say that was the last one I've read. Um, which, by the way, both of those books highly recommend. Eugene Peterson's Pastor is required reading for anyone who's going into ministry. And then Killer Church is just a really great read from uh, from Nathan. Um, Nathan Finocchio is one of our house favorites. And um, so, yeah, that was the last book I read. That's great. Uh, what about the last movie you watched? Oh, man, what was the last movie I watched? I can't remember it. All I remember is, so Jill Jill has this thing where she loves Hallmark movies. Yeah. And, and I'm talking like lame, terrible, like cringeworthy <laughs> um, Hallmark movies. And I know that if I, it's like her love language. Like if I can give her like... If we can do that and watch a Hallmark movie with some, and, and I make her popcorn, um, she's the happiest girl in the world. So that was the last thing we did. So that's how bad the movie was. I don't even, I literally don't even remember what it was, but it was one of those movies. So that's so good. 
I was going to guess that it was like a movie based on true events because I know you love history and all that. Yes. Yes. So if that was, if, if, I'm, if I'm talking about a movie that actually I wanted to watch, <laughs> that's what it would have been. Right. Yeah. For sure. What about the last vacation you went on? True vacation. Um, Jill and I, we went to, to Mexico um, about six months ago. And that was just the two of us. Um, and then we had staff retreat recently, which was also kind of a mini vacation, which was good. Um, but each year, uh, we try to do a vacation with the kids, um, kind of an all in mountains vacation, which is usually in January, February, but the last one was, was Mexico. That's what's up. That's a good spot. Mm. Um, what was the last thing you ate? Man, last night we got some great Italian food. Oh yeah. We had... Um, I'm going to make everyone who's listening to this hungry now. Yeah. Uh, we, we had a tagliatelle ragu and a margarita pizza. Wow. With focaccia bread. And it was absolutely like I was, I didn't want to, I didn't want it to end. It was so good. I what? wanted, I wanted to just eat into the night. Oh yeah. <laughs> and usually like when you have an Italian meal, like it's five courses, like you just have more than enough food. Yeah. Did you have a doggy bag or did you have like... Um, left over? There was nothing left over. Yeah, that yeah. sounds about right. Yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, we're gonna switch things up. I, I was really looking forward to this one. So, what is your favorite Aussie word? This is so hard because <laughs> Australians have their own vocabulary. It's almost like a different language. And Chris, you know this because you've lived there for two years. You yeah. know what's up. Like yeah. you know that like Australians will twist twist words. Australians will rip words apart. Australians will add Y and I on the end of every name. Yes. Um, so Matt becomes Maddie. You know, um, we'll also add O on the end of people's names. So Chris would be Chris O. Yeah. Um, stuff like that. But my favorite word in all an Aussie word is the is the equivalent of redneck in Australia. And that word is bogan. <laughs> Just <laughs> said like it. that is so perfect. Bogan. B-O-G-A-N. Google it, check it out. But basically it's gonna bring up some some images, some Google images of some classic Aussie bogans, you yeah. know, with mullets and, you know, riding like dirt bikes and you know <laughs> The real question, do bogans love country music? Like you think they love American country music? Uh yeah, I would say so. I would say so. I reckon. I reckon you're more likely to find an Aussie bogan to find to like country music than yeah. you would not. So, um, so, so yeah, that's my favorite Aussie word. There's a high probability that they listen to "By Dirt" as well. If you, yeah, if you're talking to a, a current bogan, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> yeah. When I was there, I loved. Uh, yeah, I just loved that you guys usually will just like shorten words, and it's often so much better than the original word. Like. Yeah, like I don't. You, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but like chocolate chip cookies, like Choco Bicky, or yeah, like I guess would a Choco Bicky be like a Tim Tam as well, technically? Uh, like a chocolate biscuit is probably just like, yeah, Tim Tam or just like a like a cookie, like chocolate a chip cookie. cookie. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I love the way that they do that. Like it's, um. Like a good one during COVID that made me laugh was um, hand sanitizer. Yeah, what was it? Sani. 
<laughs> Sani. Or, uh, or, you know, you're in isolation, so they call it ISO. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so defo that I'm in ISO right now. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that is just giving the listeners a little insight, insight into just how funny Australian culture is. So, yeah, there you um, go. I love it. Uh, can you give us your best American accent? Oh man, this is what this is what blows me away. Is in church, whenever I just have, I like to have fun when I'm speaking. You know, I like to have fun in church. It's kind of like a culture thing here at our church, and you know this too. But every time that I like do an American accent, the whole the whole room just 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 loves it. Erup- erupts in laughter, yeah. and I'm just like, I don't get it. And it must be just like it must be that I'm pretty good at it, but I'm surrounded by Americans now, so um, some of you are like, so yeah, I'm 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 gonna go get in my truck, and, and I'm gonna head to to Arby's, get me a burger, and then I'm gonna head home. Yeah, and I'll see you there. It's perfect. Something like that. I mean, I don't know. I'm I've I've definitely crafted it. Absolutely. Um, but being around like Jill's family is just like I love I love, and her dad too is just like got this perfect like country southern accent and they're everywhere you know they're everywhere here so it's kind of like just get to be a, when you're immersed in culture it's like it's fun yep. so I don't know if that's a good impression or not we'll we'll have to leave us a review to put a comment tell us if if that oh, was yes. good or not I want to know I'd love to hear hear your thoughts. Absolutely. I love that you just go country automatically. It's yeah, fantastic. straight country. Straight Have it has to. to be. It's the best. Yep. That's great. Um amazing. Well, I wanted to kind of just start going down that leadership route and, and talk about let's do it. Just leadership in general. And um the first one that I have for you is um you know, how old were you when you first thought to yourself that I'm a leader or I identify with being a leader or maybe that I could be a leader. Like when, mm. when was that turning point um, in, in your life? I, I think it's, it's a good question to reflect upon because, you know, there's always two schools of thought, like leaders are, are made and leaders are born. There's always that kind of like two, two kind of camps. Mm-hmm. But I would say that I, um, I felt like I had, um, like kind of leadership, like longing, like I wanted to be in leadership. I can remember now just being at school and in the school assembly, like, you know, 800 kids or whatever. I went to a big kind of Christian private school and they wanted people to read or do a welcome or something like that and read out. And, and I remember being like, I want to do that, you know. And and I think that there was something inside of me for sure, which, which I, I believe God put there is kind of like a leadership kind of longing like mm-hmm. you want to step into it um but yeah i think i think that's probably that's probably how old i was when i first started to notice it um you know i i, I was probably the kid that was disappointed if i wasn't made the captain of the rugby team or captain of the the, the school team or whatever and so yeah i think it was in me from a young age definitely but i had to it had to be kind of fostered and had to come out i've found oftentimes too that you know, that, that turning point of where you identify with being a leader has a lot to do with other people around you too, like mm. pouring into you. And, True. and um, yeah. I just think about, obviously, like my youth pastor when I was a kid yeah. and the impact that he made and the leaders that were 
involved in youth group when I decided to just start going. And uh, I think it's oftentimes those people that build you up around you and pour into you that help confirm it as well. When you feel like there's a turning point and you're, you're leaning more on that, that leadership and growing in that, it's those people that, that build you up as well. Yeah, I think that's a big part of it too. Um, yep. What was it like transitioning from the financial industry into full-time ministry? Man. So, yeah, that, that's a part of my journey that maybe some people who come to our church now, because that church has kind of grown, um, and there's new people that have come that maybe don't know that. Um, it was pretty widely known when we first started church that, mm-hmm. that I was still working in the financial industry and I was, you know, we were planning the church all together and that, that that was kind of, you know, bivocational that I was doing that. And to an extent, we all did that. Like you, uh, you used to clean pools, you know, <laughs> at the same time as work, work for me and, and work for, for our church. And it was like, it was kind of just a season, which I'm grateful for. Um, but yeah, that's part of my journey for sure is that, that I was, uh, before we, before we planted colonial church and before I was ever in full-time ministry, I was a business guy, um, and was, was in the financial industry for all of my twenties and, and beginning my thirties, um, all the way up to probably 35, 36, uh, is when I stopped doing it. Um, but transitioning out to answer your question, um, it was definitely a process, a, a prayerful elongated process that that took time um Mm -hmm. i think anything big in life that that requires that kind of a step transition um it may be an abrupt thing and i think god will can and will do anything but with me and with jill and i and our family it was it was a gradual step it was sort of like a (coughs) excuse me an unfolding (coughs) i just happens it happens sometimes <coughs> my coffee just went down the <coughs> wrong pipe <laughs> um just as i was about to say like the best thing ever <laughs> right that's a joke um but uh but yeah so jill and i were just trying to work out like what what the right you know path was and so for for us it was it was prayed about it was it was it actually happened really over a course of about one to two years um i first sensed it was happening um that it was that it was coming that god was leading me in that direction i could see it i'm always looking for confirmation of, of god moving around me and that's that's one of the things i think is most helpful in a transition is when you're waiting on god you're looking for his confirmation of things and so for mm-hmm. me a big confirmation was you know our church was growing we were hiring great people, you know. I remember when you went full time; it was like we had a big party that night because it was like all this stuff was happening. And and to me, that was not just for for you; it was actually for me too. It was confirmation that God was doing what I thought He was going to do, and He told me that He would do. And and then we just stepped into that. And and I I love our story as a church because it's it's beautiful and it's so filled with grace and. It's a story of miracles, but um, for us, it was a transition that happened slowly, gradually, confirmed by God, um, you know, with wisdom applied and counsel and, um, and but, it, but it was hard. I, I, w- I would say too, just to, to kind of develop, you know, the answer a little bit. It was, it was hard. Like it was, um, 
I loved what I used to do. You know, I loved being mm-hmm. a stockbroker. I loved, um, I loved working in the financial industry. Every day was just like being a stockbroker and working on a trading desk. Every day is different. Every day is brand new. Literally, you wake up, everything starts again. Um, you're working around crazy smart people all the time. And, uh, and it's exciting. It's a really exciting job. And that's, that's one of the things I loved about it. And when I was in it big time, especially when I worked in Sydney and I was kind of on the corporate ladder and all that sort of stuff, I was in it deep. Like I loved it. Mm-hmm. I was, you know, God was blessing it. And, and I was just fully involved in, 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 the, in, the, in the, the task of, of being in the financial industry. And that was my assignment at that time. You know, I would say that was my assignment during the 20s was to build that part of my life with the Lord and have that aptitude. And now that aptitude and that that, that experience really serves this season. And so it, it was hard. It was a hard transition. Um, it was definitely met with, um, uh, you know, we, we, we rose to the occasion. and um, But I can honestly say that I know it was God because I look mm-hmm. back and I don't have any regrets um, I love being a pastor now. I love pastoring our church. I love being, you know, being the guy that gets up there and, you know, gets to encourage people in their faith every week. And, and I think that I was built for this. I think I was built to be in this uh, for, for such a time as this. Like I f- really feel like God puts you in places at certain times for you to do what he needs you to do. Right. And I look at look back at our journey to this point, and I'm like, Lord, thank you that you you worked with me. Thank you, you're patient with me, and thank you that I have what I have today. And Jill and I are really big about holding what we have with an open hand, and we have had that revelation that that if God can can truly get it through you, He'll get it to you, and if He yeah. can get it to you, He wants to get it through you, and that whole like that life with an open hand and we have to remember that with everything that we do is that you know god had me work on wall street god is having me pastor a church and as long as i have a soft heart and i'm in close relationship with him he might have me you know do whatever um i'm I'm believing that it's going to be long long you know i believe this is the last job i'll ever have um and and that's how we all approach this when we work here at Colonial Church is like this is what we're called to do for the rest of our lives or until, until God tells us to do something else. Um, but yeah, and so that was the transition. It was, But I would say overall it was smooth because it was God. Yeah. So there were little things, you know, little bits and pieces or whatever, but um, I've just taken it in my stride. I love it. I love what I do. I love what I get to do. Um, it's challenging, you know, to go from – doing something completely different to being a full-time pastor. Um, but I have the same energy and same love and same drive that I had when I was doing that for the building of God's house. Yeah. And so I want to encourage anyone that's looking at a big transition, um, be patient, take your time, let God do what he needs to do. And I mean, I don't know, you, you, were, the, you were there all the way through my transition you know, into yeah. it. What would, you, what would you say about it? You got to see the whole thing. I want to talk to you about a brand new devotional that we have in the Storehouse Online 
at colonialchurch.life. It's a devotional called If Not For You. There's multiple volumes been written by my wife, created by her and our incredible team. And it's a journey through the Psalms. So if you're looking for a way to go deeper into the Word of God, to spend time in His Word, maybe in your quiet time, this is a great tool, great resource. I promise it'll bless you. Just great insight from the Psalms and a great way to go deeper. Go and check out If Not For You at colonialchurch.life. Yeah, I remember specifically driving to Atlanta and we were going to Passion um, Conference yes. together. And I just remember like it just, it all made sense. Mm. And I saw God's blessing on it. Yeah. And I could just see like even when, when I came on full time, I, I saw this too where it was like, obviously it's a faith step when yeah. you feel like you're called to ministry and you step out and you choose to do it for life. And like, um, God, I found that God confirms it along the way, you know, just through the details. Yeah. And I think God was confirming it in the details and like just showing us a little glimpse along the way, um, just through small things. And I, I, I think that's so comforting when you step out in faith that you see God in the little details. Yeah. And there was just an ease to it. I would agree. Um, and I could see that you were, you were, there was an ease to it, but you were also expectant. Yeah. And that made me expectant. Yeah. Even though I wasn't on full time yet, but I was so pumped for you. Yeah. And it was, um, I just remember having this, this overwhelming, um, feeling that our church is going to be just so much more blessed now mm. because you've gone full time. Mm. And so I think that blessed me too, just seeing you step into that and you were expectant for it. Um, but I, I, I do have like a follow up question real quick. Cause yeah. I know that I had to do this. Um, but were there things that you had to adjust from shifting from a financial workplace to a ministry workplace? Mm-hmm. Like were the things that you had to, to shift and change? Cause obviously it was like working a couple jobs yeah. and I knew that some of the things that I, the way that I did work was mm-hmm. not going to work in ministry because yeah. we're giving our lives to this, right? Like we're yeah. serving Jesus with everything. And I think even around that word servanthood, that's not mm. talked about in the workplace, you know, in the world. Yeah. Um, yeah, there were definitely some adjustments for me. So when you work in the financial industry, everything's based on that market, stock market open and close. And so when it's open, you know, nothing else matters. Like you're literally like, and if you want to do something else, like go out of the office or whatever, then you've got to have full coverage and make sure, you know. Mm-hmm. And then coming into ministry, it's like there's no open or close. You know, it's like, and you know this too, because you're an amazing pastor, an amazing shepherd. Now yourself, um, is you 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 don't get to choose like necessarily your 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 hours, um, your mm-hmm. timing. Um, so that was an adjustment. But again, that just comes with the grace comes with that too. So mm-hmm. you know, we talk a lot about ebbs and flows in ministry here at church. It's like. Some days it feel like today, like today, this is woven week. Um, everyone's, you know, busting it. Everyone's rolling hard. But there'll be, you know, several days after this where it'll feel like you got nothing to do, you know, and that's your rest. That's your opportunity to take a breath. Um, so, yeah, it was more structured for sure. So that was an adjustment. And then just also the way you dealt with people. Yeah. Um, so dealing with people in the workplace, especially in the world, it's like it can be very clinical, can be very 
you know, cutthroat. It can be just like up and down. Mm-hmm. Um, it can also be very mean. Like, you know, in church life, you can't be, you're never going to be successful or have, God's not going to give you any platform if you're just mean to people. Right. <laughs> but in the financial world, you can be full on meanie and, and you can be successful, you know, because you're in a, in a position of power or whatever. And, and not that I necessarily, I think, th- I don't think I was mean, but uh, I think I was pretty easy to get along with. But, um, but that wasn't a focus. That wasn't like a, a priority, you know, how, mm-hmm. um, and I've talked about this a lot before, but like it's one of the things I love about my wife is she's taught me kindness. She's taught me, you know, um, you know, she's taught me, I think, to smooth off some of my sharp edges and, and stuff like that. And, and so coming into ministry, that was definitely in a, bit, a bit of an adjustment. That corporate mentality had to kind of go. Right. But, um, but yeah, so definitely some changes. Yeah, that's great. Well, on the other side of that coin, um, in leadership, in church life especially, there's some grit that's required to be in leadership. Um, so what are some of those pivotal moments for you as a young leader? Like maybe some that were not comfortable moments or difficult ones that made you, you know, better because of it? Um, yeah, there's, there's definitely grit that's required in leadership. Um, I remember Shelly Giglio saying this one time, she said, you've got to have thick skin, but a soft heart. Hmm. And, and you've got to be willing to take the shots if you want to call the shots. Yeah, um, and and I think that's comes with the territory and leadership. If you if you're the type of person that that's going to get really upset if someone's upset at you, then leadership's probably not for you. Um, or you need to submit yourself to the process and let let God develop that kind of. You know, it talks about in James that perseverance. You know, um, you need perseverance in ministry. You need grit. Um, but it, and it's hard sometimes because because you know it does it does affect you. I remember still remember the first time someone you know wanted to meet up with me very early on, like first year of our church, and 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 they they met with me and we had coffee and they said that they weren't happy in our church. And I remember that really affected me. I, I just was like, man, I'm and, and and I pray it still affects me to this day. The only thing that's changed is that I've developed the grit right. and determination in leadership to say, okay, well, there's probably always going to be some people that aren't necessarily fired up about what you're doing. There's going right. to be people that you know aren't necessarily happy. It's always our goal to meet people where they're at, but we are never going to be everything to everyone. Right. And so there's definitely some grit um, required there. I would say that that small one was a pivotal moment. Um, you know, I think another thing for leadership is, is and this is a, a big one for church leadership, is... You, you, you need to make calls that not everyone's going to like and especially the people that work for you and the people that are serving directly under you and and serving your leadership. Um, you're going to have to make decisions that's not going to make them happy. Right. And are you willing and are you okay to still be the guy that's in the position of leadership when you have people that maybe aren't necessarily happy with you? Um, I think happiness as well is just such a misnomer in leadership because happiness comes and happiness goes. Like it's it's so temperamental, it's so situational, and mm-hmm. and you got to be willing to step out and be like, okay, um, I got to make the I got to make this call, and in implied in that decision, 
or whatever the, the thing is, you know that it's not about having a fallout necessarily. It's more just you know that this is a decision that's going to maybe grade a person or, you know, someone's going to – and and as a good leader, I think you communicate and you, you always try to give people the why and you always, you know, try to love people where they're at. But at the end of the day, um, the a leader, true leader knows like – especially a Christian leader knows I'm here to please God, not here to please men. And I want to be the type of leader that ultimately always honors the Lord. Um, but understands, Hey, you know, this, this may not be, this may not fit everyone's palate. Um, but here we go. We're going to do this. So, yeah. And the benefit of, you know, those difficult times in leadership too, um, it builds perseverance, you know, Mm -hmm. when you go through those things with God. Yeah. Right. And I, and I love that. And I, when I look at it from my perspective of like pastoral care, which I have the lovely opportunity of being a part of that team, I'm still learning this, but I had to learn how to not take on everyone's weight. Mm. Otherwise I'm just going to crumble, yep. you know? And I think the importance of offloading that, that burden and weight to Jesus, praying for that person, interceding on their behalf and not having to take on all that weight will allow you to still have some grit, you know, yeah. in, in leadership. And, um, but yeah, even through the hard times, like we're, we're going through the valley with people yeah. sometimes if they're in a dark place and they're not doing well, we want to come alongside them. And all of a sudden you find yourself in the valley too. Yeah. But there's perseverance that's built through that experience that I've found as well. And, um, but I love you just sharing on that. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the next one, um, part of being a leader is being able to see the leadership potential in others. Um, what are what are you looking for in a young leader? And I mean, I love this question because I've benefited from that. Right. You know, between our our relationship, you know, and even in the workplace here, I've I've noticed that you've seen things that I haven't that I haven't seen in myself. Mm. And you've called them out, so mm. I really appreciate that about you, but. Can you speak a little bit to that? Yeah. Um, I love that you're the one asking me this question because you, you are one of my um, my favorites to talk about. One of the things I, I really look for in a leader, and especially a young leader, is the heart. And so to me, it's heart over hands. So yeah. hands might have some gifting, um, but, but give me the heart any day. Yeah. And I want to see a heart for God. I want to see a heart for people. Another thing that I really look for is, is humility and a teachability. Mm-hmm. And if, if I come across someone that wants to come on team or wants to serve or wants to, you know, um, step into leadership, but they have a lot of ego and pride, I won't even, we won't even go there because we'll deal, we want to deal with that first. Right. Um, so, so yeah, that's, that's typically what I'm looking for. I'm just looking for someone who has a heart for Jesus, loves the Lord, has a true relationship with God and desires to serve that and uh, to serve him. And then out of, out of the overflow of that wants to serve and build colonial church. Yeah. Um, I don't want to look at just their gifting. And that's a trap for leaders is... Someone comes along, maybe you're a pastor of a church, someone comes along and they they have a gift for worship, you know, for, for singing and playing guitar and um, 
and people even might even say, man, that person's awesome. But then when you sit down with them and you, you re- realize that it's really just about their platform and not yours, mm. and it's really about them and not God, um, that's the type of situation where as a leader, you have the sometimes hard conversation with them about, you know, about those things and just emphasize you know the importance of being humble or, or, or you know stuff like that and so i'm looking for heart i'm specifically looking for a soft heart mm-hmm. and i want to make sure there's no bitterness you know or, or something like something there after that after i know that they're a believer um but then i would just say yeah just as a young leader just just be in love with jesus mm-hmm. and out of the overflow of your passion to just love god and live for him um, step into to to serving God, and then, what you know, the main way that we've raised leaders in our house, I would say, ninety nine percent of the time was we had people love God, come and serve, and then end up with positions, and that to me is the best process. Unfortunately, in, in sort of corporate situations or job like situations is we we see the gifting and the and the background and the skill and we get and we and we give them the position then and we hope that there's heart and trust and you know yeah all that stuff that comes afterwards we need to make sure it's the other way around um and i get it, it's not always easy but that would be my advice to young leaders is just love the lord um passionately serve him and you watch the way that you know your gift makes room for you as the scripture says, and you'll, and you'll, and I, and I truly believe that God will, will, will elevate you and God will put you in the, the right position. Um, I was just talking to Jill this morning in our quiet time, you know, about her message for Woven and, you know, um, and I was just like, you know, we just have, sometimes have, have to have this sort of faith that, um, that, that just knows that God will send the right person at the right time to, to promote the right person. For sure. And he, he, he knows how to find you know, David's in the back part of the field, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's, and that's the, that's the, the God that I serve. And so when I'm, when I'm raising up young leaders, I'm, I'm always just like, God, what are you, what are you doing here? What are you, wh- who are you bringing onto my radar? Um, but yeah, so that, that's, that's just some things I would look for in terms of leadership potential. Yeah. I love that too. Cause you're speaking of the importance of the heart over the skill. You can hire a, a skilled worker Totally. But if they don't have the heart, they won't stay. And there's a good chance that they're going to harm people, mm. you know, in the process. Yeah. Because their heart isn't in the right place. So I think that's so important because if you have a soft heart, you're going to be teachable. Yep. You're going to be up for learning. Yes. So I, I love that so much. Um, we're going to end with this one. And I, I really like this one. So how do you help people catch culture and vision. And I've seen you do this time and time again. I love it. Um, mm-hmm. sp- you know, especially on Vision Sunday, um, you do such an amazing job with this. But how do you help them catch the culture and vision? Ah, man, it's a good question. Um, I think vision is easy to catch. I really do. I just think that it doesn't get talked about a lot. And one of the things that I always do is I start with the vision of that person's life. So I want to preach a message that is all about purpose and hope, which is God has a vision for your life. And, 
and God has a vision for our church and God has a vision for, for all of it, all of us. Um, but the problem is I, I encounter far too many people that don't believe that or don't didn't didn't even know that, that, that God has a vision for their own life. Right. Um, and I think a, a good pastor, any good pastor worth their salt is going to sit down with people and and see vision for their lives. And, and I want to be that, that pastor. And so, so, um, so how do we, how do we catch it? Well, I think first you've got to cast it and, and you've got to put it out there. Um, and again, I think, I think some pastors struggle with confidence in this area because maybe they don't believe it themselves. You know, I just believe that God has a vision for my life. And, 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 and I prayed about that vision as a young believer, as a new Christian. Some of the things that I prayed for was that, that God would give me a wife you know, that yeah. God would give me kids, that mm. God would give me a career, that God would give me. And I prayed and I just believed the Lord and I claim those scriptures that we always talk about, you know, um, that, that God wanted to do that for me. Mm-hmm. And when you have that kind of perspective, I think it's infectious and, and people catch it. People literally are like, man, this is like, this is this is something that I can take away. And I've heard it in the feedback that in our church is people have come to me and be like, man, I, I just I just realized that I didn't have a vision for my, my own life. I didn't have a vision for my own marriage. And I'm just like, man, like God has a vision for you. You just got to get it for yourself. You know, you got to figure it out and, and, and pray about it. And, you know, there's that scripture in Proverbs 29. It says, um, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. Right. Um, or like other translations say literally like um, that people perish. Yeah. Um, and, and I think there's just a lot of people out there that that are kind of in the darkness, so to speak, in their own life because they haven't caught, caught a vision for their life. And so so I think when, when, you, when we come at it from that perspective um, and then, then build it out from there and, and, and talk about vision, I love talking about vision. I feel like it's kind of what god has put on my life to, to talk about um but yeah and that's and then, and then and then that sort of really should just permeate the culture so one of the things and this is just insight for, for someone listening to this um one of the things that i'm big on is um if someone comes and is on our team i i have a vision for them yeah so you and Mal know this too. Like when you guys first sort of started coming coming to work at church, like I was like, you guys are gonna have, you guys are gonna be able to buy a house. You guys are gonna have kids. I started to just preach vision into your life because I was like, I see this ahead for you. I, I just can see that God's gonna do this for you, and um, and I do that for everyone. Yeah. You know, Jill and I, we just we just believe that God just loves everyone so much that He wants to do that for people and. Um, so how it gets caught, I think really you've got to be willing to cast it. Yes. And I remember Louis Giglio saying this one time, Louis, one of my, um, one of my favorites, he's, he's, he's a spiritual mentor to me and just such an example. And I mean, let's be honest, there's no one like Louis, but he says this, he says, one thing I realized about vision is you've got to cast it and then cast it again and continually recast vision. Um, you, you can't just throw it out there one time because vision gets stale and even if you're saying essentially the same thing but in a new and fresh way it's important that you do that because people need to hear it and people um the enemy loves to get a hold of people 
give them you know sow seeds of doubt and and whatnot but right i'm a, I'm a big believer that um the vi- vision is available um and so yeah we've got a real culture of vision in our church which i'm grateful for and um and there's so much ahead for us as a church there's so much ahead because there's so much ahead for our people yeah like there's 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 young people that are in our church right now that are going to get married there's young there's people that um you know uh coming out of divorce and and god's going to still give them a family he's going to set them in families um there's all kinds of stuff happening so i just look at that i'm like man god you've got so much for us and and whatnot so yeah i love talking about vision i believe that god has a vision for all of our lives and also our church and so um helping people catch that culture though i think is really all about um not shying away from encouraging people to consider god wants to do this for you and you personally i think there are too many people out there maybe that have just kind of settled to say oh well maybe i'll maybe i'll live my life and somewhere along the along the line i'll do something right and then god will bless me Mm. that's actually incorrect theology it's actually the other way around everything comes from god and so if you can catch that revelation and start to live your life where you're just continually believing that god is going to give you more do more in your life that he's going to show up in in amazing ways and um you know that famous verse that paul talked about uh, paul wrote down in ephesians 3 that 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 god can do the exceeding abundant above all that we ask or think um you know, is such a powerful scripture because it's, it's it, you know, the Apostle Paul is saying even the thing that you think, the gr- the best thing that you could possibly think for your own life, God wants to exceed. And I'm like, man, that's that's crazy. And every time I look at that scripture, I'm just like, man, my vision's too small. Right. <laughs> and so, yeah. Um, but great question. And if you're part of our church, I'm grateful for you. I love that, that we're all in this together. And that we get to do life together and 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 see the vision of our church become a reality, which is pretty cool. Absolutely, yeah. Thank you for sharing all of that, and I w- I couldn't agree more. I love that you always um, attach divine guidance to the vision that you speak and and preach to our church, and that's really the word. You always attach the word to mm. the vision that mm. you're casting. Mm. And people can grab a hold of that and run with it because that's what we build our lives on, the Word. Yeah. And I, I love that. So people can lean on the vision that's being casted because it's it's from the promises that are found in the Bible. So I love that. I love that's one of many things that you and Pastor Joe do such an amazing job with. And we're just thankful for your leadership and thankful for everything that you've shared today. So awesome, appreciate man. you. Appreciate you. You're amazing. Love you. Well, that's it for season two of Heads or Tails, my leadership podcast. I hope you really enjoyed this season. Eight different unique episodes with interviews, staff meeting messages, and just some of the leadership coming out of Colonial Church and my life. So I hope you've enjoyed it. Look for more updates, leave us a rating, and we'll see you next season.